Today on Training Group Live, how do you turn a bad practice session into a good one? What should you do if you just can't shoot as well as you were expecting? Jason Bradley and Andreas Yankopoulos share their experiences and give some ideas for things you can do to turn a bad practice session into a good one. After the paywall, Andreas and Jason give some helpful tips for making dry fire more productive. Should you set up part-time? Where should your focus be? When should you change that focus? How do you break down techniques? And much more. Welcome to Training Group Live, your home for all things practical shooting. So make ready. It's time to train. Welcome to Training Group Live. Today, I am sitting down with two guys that are probably smarter than I am. Uh, but we have today on deck, Jason Bradley. Hello. And Andreas Yankopoulos. Hey, everyone. I'm not scared of saying your last name anymore, Andreas. Fearless. <laughs> For now. Uh, okay, Jason brought an interesting topic. And, I mean, there's a lot that goes into this. But the topic is what to do on off days. Or maybe when practice isn't going the way you want it to. I think we've probably all been there. Um, it's a fact you, of life, yes. Yeah, like, so let's be I'll, real talk. Some days go better than others. Some days you just can't miss. And then the next day you're like, man, somebody had to have shifted this holster. My gun doesn't weigh the same it weighed before. My my ammo kicks noticeably more than it did the last time. I like, man, something's up with my press. Just all the excuses start to come out. So, guys, what do you do? I mean, that's like, I guess it's a place to start with. You're well, how about let's back up? What if you uh, it's Saturday morning? You're planning on going to the range. You wake up and you're like, man, I don't really know about this stuff. I don't know about training today. Do you guys still go? Do you not go? What do you think? So I, I learned. Uh, yeah, go yeah, ahead, Jason. I'm sorry. Um, I would say that's one of the hardest things of anything that people do um, for a hobby, sport, any job. Um, nobody wants to get up a lot of time. I mean, sometimes there's days when I actually want to get up and do it. Uh-huh. <laughs> there's a lot of days where I'm having to fight to get to get started. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's a call you got to make for yourself. And you're not going to get any better sitting and laying in bed. So, I think if you look at, I learned a hard lesson on this recently. And it's asking yourself, well, why don't I feel like going? That uh, I recently had a really bad range trip where, for a couple of days, I just had a really frustrating problems. I was working through at work and I wasn't sleeping very well. And then Thursday evening comes around or Thursday afternoon comes around. And I'm like, man, I'm just tired of being frustrated with work. I'm going to go to the range. And then I, I get to the range and it just continued the frustration. It's like the, I, I didn't have my head in a different space and it just, it was not a good trip. And I think I shot 24 rounds and went home. It was just like, <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. So I think, is it just a lack of motivation? I think that I've gotten up and had days where I'm like, yeah, I don't really feel like going. But once I've gotten to the range, it's gone great. And I think it's asking myself, like, well, why are you not wanting to go? Are you just feeling lazy and it's going to pass? Or are you just really beat down from other stuff that's going on in your life? And if you're just, if you can kind of look over the last couple of days and think I haven't been sleeping well, I haven't been um, eating well, or I've been dealing with a lot in my personal life or work, 
then and maybe maybe you let it slide. That's that's kind of where I'm where I am with that right now. I agree. Uh, I have kind of two categories. I put them into one would be maybe laziness where it's like what you're saying, like, oh, man, I could instead I could play video games with my friends like, oh, Jason's getting on zombies right now. I could go play Call of Duty or I could get all my stuff and drive to the range or uh, there are what I would call days where I've maybe not not worked or called into work where it's like a mental health day where like what Andreas is saying, like, hey, my hands are smoked. I don't feel that hot. Um, I'm just like, I've got too much other stuff going on or I feel like I'm going to have to rush to the range. I'm going to have to rush there. I'm going to have to shoot fast. I'm going to have to clean up fast. And I'm going to have to hurry home fast. So I think there's other situations, but like what you guys are heading on, if it's just a point of laziness, like, hey, man, if you want to be good, it's time to go train. Mm-hmm. And I think you you kind of know yourself after a while on that. I mean, if you're, mm-hmm. you know that uh, if you're just feeling lazy and you and you get moving, are you the kind of person who gets fired up pretty quickly or... Yeah, what's it, what's it take to motivate you? It's like after you've been at this for a while, or you should just know this about yourself, I think. That's true. And also, I mean, maybe this has only happened to me and never to you guys, but there have been matches before where I'm, you know, I wake up the morning of the match and I'm like, man, I kind of feel lazy today. Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Where it's not like you don't wake up like, let's go. I'm ready to shred these targets. Instead, it's like, oh boy, I got a match today. Well, you don't really get the option to like, wait until the next day or wait until Tuesday when you're right. feeling it. So, right. you know, there are situations where you're in a match where maybe you don't feel like you're ready to shred, but you have to be. So, and, yep. and I think as far as having good practice days, bad practice days, I kind of have this little, I guess, little rule I came up with a while back that's um, if you have five practice sessions or five matches or so, that three of them are going to be okay. One's going to be great. And one's going to be pretty bad. And then when you stretch that out across maybe 25 practice sessions or so, you're going to have one of the practice sessions where you feel like you're going to just win nationals next year. Uh-huh. And you're going to have one where you like, you're ready to quit the sport <laughs> and just to realize that, that it's going to happen. Uh-huh. If, you, if you, if you have enough, enough practice sessions, enough matches, you're going to have some disasters and you're going to have some amazing ones. And, it, it kind of balances out and just to look at, look at the trend, look at the ones that are in the middle. I agree. So what if, you know, you're waking up, it's like, let's go. I'm ready to shred these targets where I get off work. I've already got all my stuff packed and ready. My car's already full of targets and stuff. I get home. I throw in my range bag, some ammo. I'm ready to shred. I get to the range 50 rounds, 20 rounds, a hundred rounds in whatever things aren't really clicking the way I thought they would be. You know, what do you do then? What do you guys do in that situation? So I, I would actually say that I've, in the last probably year, um, I've had those days, <clears throat> but I, in the last several months, I think I understand it a little bit better. Now, I'm going to say all this, and I may prove myself wrong later this year. I really believe what I'm about to say. Um, back to the, you know, what Andreas was saying. Sometimes if you don't want to, or if you've got stuff going on in life, you can't, if you bring that to the range, it will affect you. Uh I mean, you know, you can do, there's a lot of things that you can do incorrectly at the range while you're in your match. I mean, there's a, you kind of have to have your own match management plan. And and so that's one of the things you need to do is leave that stuff at home. If you can, I mean, assuming you can, you can do that. And sometimes you might not be able to, but um, when it goes to shooting, 
the other thing in my mind is when you're not having a good day and I had what brought this whole thing was up was last, I guess a week ago today I was dry firing and I was just over transitioning on this target and it, it was infuriating. <clears throat> and I kept telling myself, well, if you get mad, that's just going to make it worse. Mm -hmm. And I, I get mad. I, it's very easy for me to get mad. Um, but I realized hey, you're not focusing on the right thing here. You're basically, what are you doing that's causing this? So if you kind of reverse engineer the solution to the problem, you're over-transitioning the target. Well, why are you? Well, let's be, let's be objective here. Oh, I'm muscling the gun on a very difficult target. It's not all that far away that I just really need to lead with my eyes and not try to muscle the gun to get it there faster. Because I'm, And not only that, you're not looking at a spot or the correct spot, excuse me, on that target, you're just muscling in that direction. You, in, you, in your peripheral, you, you're, you see the brown. And so once I realized that was what was going on, it's hard. It's hard not to, to stop doing that sometimes, especially when you're doing something like muscling the gun from target to target. You want to, you think I have to get that gun there faster, so I got to muscle it. Well, mm -hmm. you're going to overshoot it a lot of times. And then not only that, you add on to it that I wasn't looking at the spot. I was just looking somewhere in the general vicinity. Uh -huh. That's why. So my whole, my whole point to this is if you have bad days and I was having a bad day the other day, I wouldn't even say a bad day, but I've noticed that when I am not doing something right or something is not going well for me, I'm able to immediately now diagnose it and say, well, you're not looking at the spot. No wonder you're, oh, you, you dropped a delta. You didn't look at the spot. You just swung the gun over there and pulled the trigger. And so I was sitting there doing um, some drills the other day, <clears throat> and I kept shooting a couple of them in the, a little bit more in the C zone than I wanted, and then I had a couple of deltas, and I was sitting there getting kind of mad about it, and I go, well, dude, you're not looking at the spot in the A zone. You, you need to, you need to, your eyes need to snap to that A, where that A would be in the A box. You're not doing that. The gun's going further past. Uh, it's going past further where it needs to. It's that simple. Start doing it. Guess what happens? It comes right back. I like that. Uh, I've had practice sessions where in my mind going up, I'm thinking this is going to be better than Ben or Max or JJ could even shoot it. This is going to be amazing. And I've got these 8-inch plates that maybe set at 20 yards. And for training group members to be familiar, I mean, this might as well be like confirmation zero where I'm just going to like sling the gun at this at this 8-inch plate at 20 yards, and I'm going to go one for one on these. And then it's like, well, what is exactly happening? It's like, well, I'm obviously not seeing what I need to see. I'm not stopping the gun. And you just, like what you're saying, you list down all these things. It's not reality. And being able to diagnose in the moment what's going on, as opposed to getting angry and like, well, I'll do it again. I'll do it again. I'll do it again. And it's like, you got nowhere. Well, you, you keep doing it again, you keep doing it again, you keep having the same results because you keep doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And um, you have to have a process for everything you do. And if, if, if the, the transition, the process for the transition is not, it's not go faster. It's when you're done with, with shot number two on target number one, your eyes need to lead and go to the spot on target number two. When you do that, you have a better chance that that gun's going to show up where it's supposed to. When you don't do that, you have a better chance that the gun doesn't show up where it's supposed to. So would you, would you say that a lot of what we call bad range days might be that you're 
revealing some deficiencies in your, uh, let's call it your just shoot mentality. Like we tell people a lot when you're doing a match that you just go out and shoot and just do whatever, whatever you've programmed in. And if you go do that in practice and it doesn't work out, that's, that's probably real, real re revealing some sort of flaw in your technique that at a subconscious level, you haven't programmed in appropriate site confirmation or appropriate trigger press or some other elements of technique. And that what you're really getting here is maybe the one reason you're angry is that you've just spent a couple of months shooting and you realize that you've uncovered some problems that are going to take a while to fix. Well, it only reveals it if you're aware that you're doing it. Well, this and, is true. Yes. Yeah. And, and if you do realize it, you actually have have some level of success now. Yeah, you can because start. You can start fixing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we've all gone out and done things that we don't even know we're doing wrong, and that's worse than going out and doing those same things wrong and then realizing why you're doing it wrong. So you're ahead of the game right there. Um, I, I'm convinced now, and I feel like this is another secret sauce epiphany. But uh, I mean, look, if you point the gun at the target and you do not disturb the gun before the bullet leaves the, the barrel, it will hit the target. Uh, barring any, something that you can't control, a bird flying in front of the bullet. And, and, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. <clears throat> it's that simple. If you, if you aim the gun at the target, and before you, and you don't disturb the gun, right, and it's aimed, and the gun's not disturbed before that bullet leaves the barrel, it'll hit the target. Just like if you need to run over to a corner or a spot on a, on a stage, and... You start break stepping before you get there. You're a lot less likely to overshoot that position than if you were to run full steam and try to stop on a dime. Yeah, and it's, I mean, so I, I'm I, in my mind. I think everything is just lack of proper focus and a proper execution of the of a, of process. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Uh, another thing along the same lines is kind of I think perspective. So what I mean by that is I'm sure I'm the only one that does this, but normally my practice is things that I'm not good at because that's why they call it practice. You want to go and attack things that you feel like you have a deficiency at or you can be better at. So if my practice is set up on something that's very difficult or going to be something that maybe I perceive as a weakness that I want to work on, then it would be unrealistic of me to automatically assume that I'm going to have every run's going to be perfect or they're all going to be alphas or whatever the situation is. So also having that realization of this is difficult, this is something I want to work on, you know, like what you guys are saying, breaking down what the what the problem is and the skill, also realizing the whole context of what's going on. And it, and it could be a matter of managing your expectations or what your goals are for the for the practice session as well. Like, are you 100 percent? Are you are you going to the range to shoot consistently? And if you if you if that's your goal is just to shoot some drills and that you're shooting alphas and close charlies and any misses you're making up immediately if you even miss. Um, if you go to the range like that, you shouldn't be expecting to walk away with some personal records on El Presidente or or whatever. Mm -hmm. But then if you're going to go to the range and you're saying I want to walk away with some uh, some record times, I want to shoot really fast or I want to push, then you need to really except that you're going to throw a lot of misses and deltas that day. So kind of maybe judge yourself on what your, what your goal for the range trip is. Don't just 
if you're focusing on one thing that trip on that range trip, don't start judging yourself on other things that are necessarily going to suffer due to that. Uh, also, I think it's worth mentioning. Sometimes you get to something that it's it's very difficult. It's not happening today. I get to the point also where I'll move on and be like, hey, that's something I need to take back to my dry training. I've figured out what I need to know today. This isn't working as well as I've hoped or I'm in the right direction. I'm going to continue at this. And I've kind of saw what I need to see and I'll call it a day. Because otherwise I've had range trips where I wanted to work on a drill. It never really went the way I wanted to. And I will just shoot every round I brought with me on this one thing, getting focused, hoping it's going to get better. So I think there is a time to move on to. If you guys yes. agree. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, I do. At the same time, I don't um, like I is me because you don't like being defeated, right? I don't want to. I I, I want to end on a good note. Uh-huh. So it's like, what do you do? Um, do you move on to something else so you can end on a positive, or do you run the risk of sticking with that, maybe not getting it worked out, and then being mad? Maybe that gives you the drive to to go home and practice on it, get up early the next day to practice on it, come back to the range the next day to practice on it. Also. There's nothing I like more than battling through a problem. <clears throat> and I'm going to start using it's not a word. I mean it's a new it's it's a it's not a new saying, but I'm going it's something I've just started saying. I'm going I want to grind through it. Mm-hmm. Battle through it, grind through it and come out um successful. So, I would say if you're going to the range and uh, what Andreas said that most people do not do, I didn't do it for a long time. Uh, you need to do this when you practice in the morning and dry fire. You need to do this when you practice live fire and when you go to a match. You need to have a game plan, a game plan, a goal. You can call it a goal, um, but it basically is what do I want to accomplish, okay? What process I, I process is a big thing. What process do I need to do to accomplish that? So, if, again, if it's transitions, just going as hard as you can is not the proper process. Good trigger control, good sight pictures, good sights, uh, your vision, you know, to the mm-hmm. next target, that's a good process to get that, those transitions down. Um, if you go out to a range, uh, to a, a practice session and it's not going the way you want it, you a are not doing the right process to get those results or B you have incorrect and you're upset about it. You have incorrect expectations. That's the other thing people don't do. You're not going to go out there and run GM times if you've not put in the work to be able to run GM times. It's that simple. So, uh, and you got to you got to be able to understand that, assess that, and talk yourself down. I was out there shooting the other day, and there was about a four or five, six yard transition from an open target at ten yards to an eight inch plate. I was hitting it every time, but I was mad that my transition on that was a was a point four. <laughs> and I had to realize <laughs> that's pretty good, man. Yeah, I was like, that not only like that, but I was me. like, but I was yeah. like, man, you haven't been practicing. So, and you didn't, you really kind of did an impromptu as I was leaving. I realized this was an impromptu practice. I went out there to test fire something else. And I said, well, heck, I'm here. Let's do this. And so I didn't step back and go, okay, well, what's the goal of this? I just went out there and said, let's just send lead into the berm. Mm -hmm. And then I was wanting to execute, but I didn't have my process understand, uh, the goal or the process. So, um, I had to kind of step back and then allow myself to, get kind of realigned and then I was given, had to give myself a break. You know, my reloads weren't as great as I would want them to be. And then I get, again, so you have to get all that stuff into perspective as well. So. I agree. Um, uh, I mean, this doesn't have to try so, I'm sorry. Management. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Joel, can, can I, I'm sorry. No, no, go. You're so good. no, now I don't want to move on to the next thing. 
Oh, all right. I want to take a step back. I want to kind of, like I said, reverse engineer the solution. Well, what are you doing wrong? Or, okay, so if you're, if you're overswinging a target, is your vision snapping to the exact spot? Yep, okay, that's good. If it's not, start doing that. Are you muscling the gun? Are you leading with your eyes? If it's a larger swing transition, are you swinging full speed the entire time? Are you going halfway and then slowing down? So if you do the steps right, which is the process, in my mind, it always works out to, where I, to what I'm able to do. So if I'm able to do something at, if there's a benchmark that I can do because my skill's there and I do the process right, it works out. So when I'm not doing it right, I, like I said, I go back and say, well, are you doing this? Are you doing this? And then let's, if you're not, let's do those. And then it works out. So you're picking it apart, a different way to say it, you're picking it apart, going through a checklist, yep. seeing what you're not doing, and then start doing the thing that you should have been doing that you weren't. Yeah. I'm there. asking myself, are you doing this? This, this is, this is step one of this process. Are you doing that? If no, start doing that. If yes, then there's something else you're not doing. Proceed to question two. Proceed to question two. You will usually, in my mind, I don't see how it's back to the thing. It's back to that saying I just said. If the gun is pointed at the target and you do not disturb the gun before the bullet leaves the barrel, it has to hit the target. So if you can run a six-second El Perez when you do everything right, and then you go out there and you do everything right, you should be able to run a six-second El Perez. If you can't run a six-second El Perez in the fastest you can ever do it, if you do everything perfect, is eight, then realize that and don't try to go out there and do a five-second El Perez. So what, what you're describing, I completely agree with. I know for myself that uh, sometimes doing what you describe feels like it takes a superhuman amount of self-discipline. That um, for me, the, the issue usually, usually comes up where I'm trying to make some tight shots. And some days, it's just the amount of time it's taking for the sights to settle down and, and getting that smooth trigger press. It's like, man, I just don't have that in me today. I don't have that level of patience. And I know that that's, that's probably some deep-rooted character flaw. <laughs> I got a good drill that I'm bringing to, to the summit. Oh, baby. Just for that. Okay. I can't, I, I can't wait. Okay. But yeah, I, I completely Easy. agree that I, I think it's also something to, to know about yourself. Like, can I, do I have... It's, it's one thing to intellectually figure out what do I need to do to make this drill work today or to, to get these hits or get this time. It's another, like, is it, do I have it in me today to make that happen? And some days I'm out there and I'm feeling pretty good and pretty confident. Like, yeah, I can, I can do that. And other days I'm like, man, I'm just, I don't have it today. I'm, just, I'm tired or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And that's, that's part of it. I mean, it's a lot of steps too on a stage because you have to do, this next thing, that's, that's, that's your focus, right? And you have to do it properly. And I mean, it, when you've missed a reload, why did you miss your reload? You didn't miss it because you, just by chance, you missed it because you didn't do something correctly. Right. Every time I've ever missed a target or missed a reload or overran a position, um, I either didn't do it, I just, I didn't do it like I could have done it. So again, I want to, re real quickly, I want to go and say, you have to understand where your skill level is. So if your skill level is, we'll use classifications, is at the A-class level, and if you, that's your skill level when you go out and you execute the processes correctly, well, when you go out and do those, pro those, those correctly, you're going to get to the level. Now, there's times where you got to go push and practice to get past that, but when, you, when things aren't going your way, it's back to you've disturbed the gun before the bullet left the barrel. 
Yeah. You didn't you you did not do something right. You didn't focus on seeing the mag into the gun because it's faster to just try to slam it in there and hope for the best. That's what I see everybody do on Instagram and it works for them. That's what I do sometimes. I'm not even lying. (laughs) And then when I miss dang reload, I realize that's idiot. Yeah, we're not on Instagram. This is real life, Jason. Duh. Get you killed Uh, in the streets. I know. Okay, so that like this isn't like mental management or life lessons with Andreas and Jason, but I want to talk about self-talk a little bit, and you see like things spiral out of control. I I mean, even if you haven't done it yourself, you've seen somebody where it's like one miss turns into two miss, which turns into three miss, and the next thing you know, you're surprised this person can even do admin, you know, admin gun handling. Like you're surprised they can load their gun because it seems like everything's falling apart. So what are steps that you could take to stop when we have a problem like we're discussing where something goes wrong it's not quite the way i want it how do you stop that from spiraling out of control Anyone? stop and stop and take a couple deep breaths and you usually when i see that happen either for myself or when i when i'm teaching and, and students are going to war with steel that's it, usually tension that i can feel across the bay mm-hmm. so just kind of un- unload the gun and just kind of take a couple deep breaths, maybe walk around a little bit and come back with a, come back with a fresh mind and just try to, like we, we talk a lot about in, in matches that you want to leave after you shoot a stage, when you go to the next stage, you want to leave. If that was a good performance, leave it in the bay. If it was a bad performance, leave it in the bay and just start off with a, with a clean mind and then just, yeah, just walking around for a little bit. I think that can uh, kind of get your get your mind reset to, to try things fresh. Jason, any thoughts, sir? Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely uh, one way to do it. And um, what most people probably do, and it's that should be very helpful. Um, but, you know, again, I would say um, if you're mad about something, uh, what are you mad about? Are you mad about because you had unrealistic expectations and you didn't burn it down? Or are you mad because you're you didn't follow the process and you had an error? Yeah, and you it, it, getting mad that you missed the steal isn't actionable. Getting mad that you pulled the trigger before the sights were aligned on the steal—that's something like yeah. now we can get somewhere. Yeah. Or but why did you do mad, that? Yeah, or getting getting mad because you had a good sight picture and you saw the sights move as you pulled the trigger. Yeah, that's something yeah. that you can that you can actually address. But just you got to—you've already said this—of drilling down into a what happened. As opposed to like, now, yeah, and what you can't do is you can't be thinking about any of that during the stage. That's why you you see a guy. I, I actually saw this happen. I saw this happen from this same shooter, probably three or four times. I shoot with this person a lot. It's usually, I don't know if they're going to listen to this. So, oh, baby. but I'm not going to drop oh, their baby. name. No, no, no. Great shooter, great shooter. Misses the mag change every once in a while. Fumbles with it. Fumbles with it a little harder because they fumble with it. And then they fumble a little faster and a little harder to try to solve the problem. You, this would be the same thing as a guy misses a steal, then goes to war, and eight shots later he hits it. Uh-huh. Right? Um, well, this person went to war with the mag change. I think threw the mag because it was in a botched. By that time, it was botched in their hand, and it would have uh-huh. taken longer for them. So they went to the belt and got another one. Then he's just standing there and just puts the gun. I mean, he's not even trying to do it at speed. 
and then just shoots the last targets. Now, I've seen that same person do that before, or I've seen another person do that same thing, and then they'll just go off and just blast off in 18 shots on the last target. And I don't know if that's to kill the stage, zero it, or zero the classifier, but anyways. Um, so, you, you know, it's just, like I said, man, you can't go to war with that stuff, and you can't be comprehensive. Uh, you can't be conscious of it or devoting or diverting, diverging, whatever the word I'm looking for is, um, diverting brain power or energy to that while it's ongoing because it's just going, it's just, yeah. You, you were going to just skim the mountain. Now you are literally going <laughs> to crash into the face of it. So. <laughs> I agree. What you guys are saying, patch the targets, load your mags, have a and snack, then there's that, yeah. have a Coke and a smile. And, and I'll I'll add I'll add also that um, like we are emotional beings, some of us mm-hmm. more than others, and like if you just need to vent, I think that's okay, and just kind of give yourself a little bit of room just to to whatever you need to do, like if you need to swear at the targets or whatever, and then just okay, now we're we've done that, let's let's move on. Yeah, and, and I'll try to end this real quickly, but um, I was shooting nationals last year, uh, last shot of a stage my gun jammed and it oh baby i realized what had happened and i realized that this jam that i had had it was i could have gotten mad at it and it really was my fault in a, in a way because i shouldn't have been using that ammo on this gun i knew this gun had did actually i didn't realize it until this i had had this problem <laughs> two other times sorry the third time it happened was at nationals and i realized oh this is a now a problem with this gun and this bullet profile you shouldn't have been using it. but i but i didn't get mad that was something that was not for me to get mad at right then. Now, the very last stage of the target, uh, the, uh, the very last stage of the match, I had a couple makeups, and then I said I was going into the last position, and I wasn't planning on a reload. And I said, well, you need to do a reload now because you don't know how many you got in there. So it was just like, um, you know, I think I had two extras in the gun, and then I had made like four. So I was like, go ahead and do this, and I didn't seat the mag right. Oh, and so no. I get over there, I get one shot, then I get a click. Then I racked the slide, I think, hoping that that mag was seated and it would chamber the next round, and it didn't. So I finally got through this, and um, I was very, very hot. That's a different, mm-hmm. you know, that's different to get hot. Now you got to move on, and that was actually mm-hmm. the last stage of the match, so I didn't have to move on. But yeah, you you got to let it go. Can't keep it with you. It's just like anything else external from home. Can't bring that with you to the range. But you can't bring stage 12 to stage 13. Right. Guys, well said. Uh, this has been very productive, but I have to do my corporate duty now and paywall this. Um, after the break, I'm going to pick your brain about focus and dry fire. So everybody's got dry fire books all over the place. Maybe they're using them as coasters. Maybe they're holding up the coffee table. But uh, how do you use them? And maybe some different methods for learning and being productive in dry fire. So anyway, that'll be coming up. Stick around. Welcome back. I'm still sitting down with Andreas and Jason. And guys, I want to talk about maybe different methods for learning in dry fire, different things to think about. Everybody's got a bunch of dry fire books by now, but what do you do with them? Andreas, you kind of keyed up this topic or queued this up rather. Uh, I think we've both had talks with students in classes, but you've had several quite recently. What kind of what happened or what fueled this, you know, 
event, so the, I suppose. Yeah, the question came up towards the end of a class when we were going over practicing and how to improve. Like they, all the students had learned new things about trigger control and indexing and confirmation and whatnot. And we're wondering, okay, we've, we have Ben's books and some of them had been dry firing in their, in their homes. And they were wondering, well, how, how, did, how do you actually get good at this stuff? Or how do you figure out how long things should take? Or what should I be doing since I'm not really, I don't have holes in the targets to score. Mm -hmm. And there, there are a couple of threads that can go off of that. And one of them I suggested for everybody was to pick a drill that you like and pick a drill that has things that you want to work on. So whether it's footwork or indexing the gun or trigger control or whatever, and run it a couple times with different part times. So you kind of use the part timer and adjust it up and down so that the second buzz comes when you finish the drill, when you're shooting it at a, at a comfortable pace. And then to stick at that pace and change your focus as you're doing the drill. So you're going to run it a couple times and you're going to pay attention or be mindful of your footwork a couple runs. You're going to be mindful of your keeping even grip tension a couple times. You're going to be mindful of how you're pulling the trigger, that you're pulling it straight back. What level of confirmation you're using? So are you seeing a stable front sight on a on a, a dry fire equivalent of a 20 yard age plate? Are you seeing green fiber on a mid range target? Are you just going off a whole body feel on something on something closer? And just to keep working at that speed and really check that your your fundamentals are squared away, and you're, you're doing what you want to do when you execute at that at that part time. And then we know there's no perfect score. You can never, you can always shave time. So then just to drop the part time and make things happen. So just get the drill done within that, that time frame and start doing the same thing. Like, am I, is my footwork still good? Is my grip still good? Is my index still good? And then just to keep ratcheting down the time until you notice things falling apart. And then that's, that's the time to, that's the, that could be your time to work at on that drill for a while of, well, how do I, my grip's off when I do it at that speed. So how do I get it back on or what my footwork start, I start stumbling or I end up in bad, in a bad position. So how do I, within that time frame? how do I make things right? I like it. Uh, you brought up a bunch of really good things. Maybe the first thing people would be asking is how do I even set up a part-time? So what if I'm doing a variable setup drill? Let's say it's target transitions or some whatever you're doing. Uh, guys, how would I know what part time to set up? Jason, you haven't you've been quiet. Um, so I think the the method that I think a lot of people use is they either just pick something out of a book, or they blindly pick something, do it, and then see. Oh, that seemed like I was waiting for. I can let's talk knock two tenths off you know, on the part-time. Uh, you can also put your part-timer on your belt, run the drill, reach back and slap the part-timer, um, and then subtract two-tenths off that way. So all those ways, I think, you know, are pretty good. Um, but, you know, as far as kind of back to what Andreas was saying in the original kind of question, how do you get good at it? Um, I, I'm working with a, a guy I'm coaching and he basically asked the same question. He kind of asked it in a different way and he didn't really know he was asking it. He basically said, well, you know, I, I just, I really don't want to do it just because 
I, it's awkward. I'm not good at it. I'm like, well, you're not good at anything you don't know how to do. So huh. you're gonna have to you're gonna have to I accept like that you're you're gonna you're gonna have to accept that you're not gonna be good at it for a while. You're gonna have to accept that you're going to have to learn through it, and then then the more you learn, the better you'll get at learning how to do it. So it's like uh-huh. driving a car. No, none of us knew how to drive a car until we knew how to drive a car. And it felt awkward, and we were too hard on the brake, and we were oversteering or overcorrecting. You know, you're sitting in the left side. You're thinking, oh, my God, I'm all the way in the other lane. And you know what I mean? And you're not. So, and then, you, you know, when, when, and then, so now you've been driving for three weeks, three months, whatever, a year, but you haven't been on the highway, and you haven't been down on a highway where they're working on the lanes, and they put those barriers in. And now you're just like, I just know the car is scraping against the sides of the car, scraping against the concrete barriers. But when you look in your rearview mirror, you have a foot on each side. Uh-huh. So suffer through it. You'll get better at it. Um, you have to live fire to verify what you worked on. And you have uh-huh. to be prepared that you're probably going to have done things wrong and you're going to have to make other corrections. So you're going you're gonna to start heading in the right direction. But if you don't have the know-how of how to navigate you're going to have to you're going to have to realize you're probably going to knock yourself off course and not even know it and then you just hope that you can minimize that to where it's not a great deal to get back on track or back on course um um, so that's what i recommend understand that and then be careful about par times because sometimes you rush just to beat the par versus and you suffer you let technique suffer so all that um is what i would say about that I like it. Um, and also just to chime in what you said about like kind of getting off course, not knowing it, that happens to everyone, everyone. That's, it's not like you can't just be like, well, I have to do it correctly. The book says it this way. And I think I'm doing it this way. Am I doing it right? Am I doing what the book says? I'm not sure. It's like, you know what? You're gonna do the best you can. There's still gonna be mistakes where you veer off course. At some point, somebody will give you a kick or you'll see something online or you'll have a breakthrough on your own in your training. Nope. This is the way. Yeah. <laughs> And that's experience, that. that's called experience. That's what that is. Experience is going to be your best teacher. Mm-hmm. I like your comment on if you have a variable setup that you should just wander around and, and think of and figure out for yourself how long do you think it's going to take you to shoot this? Because that's a very good skill for matches. Trying to figure out well, how, how long, like what should my time be on this stage? I do that a lot in dry fire and I think it's a very fun game to play. Yeah. And after you... Mm-hmm train a bit and you gain experience it's kind of fun to see that's going to take me 1.1 to draw to that target transition's going to be this the split's going to be this and then before you know it you're starting to get really really close maybe it's not always spot on but you have like a you can have a pretty good idea of how long something's going to take that's kind of fun Mm -hmm. and it's um doing things like uh you have a drill and you, you know your time on it, then you want to throw in an extra reload somewhere and estimating, well, how much is this going to cost you? That then starts giving you some other ideas for matches. It's like, well, if you reload here, how much is this going to cost you versus if you reload there, for instance? So you just learn how long doing different things in different places is going gonna, is gonna, is gonna, is gonna to cost you. And you can use that when you start weighing risk in, uh, in live fire or in, in matches. Yeah. Okay. So to circle back, I've got these dry fire books. What am I going to do with them? Like I read see them. the book, I kind of read it. How do I make it real? Cause I think there are a lot of people in that boat. They've got every dry fire book out there. 
but it's like, how do I make it real? How do I really apply it? How do I really know that I'm doing it correctly? Well, I think if you're, if you're pretty new to it, just being able to pick a drill and do it correctly is a good start. Because mm-hmm. when you have people that are, that are very new to this, that they, they just, they're, they're, they're new to shooting, they're, they're new to doing anything besides shooting in, a, in an indoor range where you just have your lane, just learning to, doing the drills where you're getting comfortable with the basics of gun handling and, and moving with the gun, that's, that's probably the place to start. So starting with a, the basic gun handling, handling drills and then just getting familiar with doing the variable setup drills, just setting them up and thinking to themselves, well, I'm going to shoot these targets from here and those targets from there and however they want to do it. And just being able, getting, getting comfortable with running through the drills. Yeah, uh, I know we've talked about it a little bit. I think part-times are worth talking about a bit because some people really never do them. And I feel like some people get hung up on them. And I, in my experience, kind of people seem to be in one camp or the other. And I don't really see people that necessarily are kind of in between where it's like, well, sometimes I use it, sometimes I don't. So I think it's worth talking about when to use part-times, when not to use part-times. And there are really good things associated with both sides of that argument, I think. Um, So I want to talk first about reasons why you would not use a part-time. And to me, the first thing is like, just do things correctly. I yes. want to, I want to make a change to my technique. I'm not, Hey, when I reload the gun, I realize I don't even point the mag. Well, even close to the magazine pouch. I want to start doing that. So I'll just do it a little bit and pay very close attention to doing it correctly, doing it the way I want it to go. Not even, I don't have to go fast. I mean, I'm going to try to go quickly, but it doesn't have to be a new world record. I just want to start like training myself to do it the way I want it to be. Is that fair? So I'll, I'll say yes and no on that one. Ooh, tell me more. So the, the, the reason I'll say yes is because, yeah, the time you're not, you're, you're concerned about the technique, not about finishing mm-hmm. it in some blazing time, but sometimes setting a very long part time can be good where you're trying to complete like a, a re, like say like a, a, a having three seconds to do a draw. So you want the hammer to drop in three seconds. So if you're trying to work on changing how you grip the gun or you're some like you, you've moved your holster and you're trying to get used to it, if you set a fairly long part time and force yourself to stick to it, you're going to be moving at a speed where all your actions are very intentional and deliberate. Which is in a place you want to live at forever, obviously. Correct. But for, for getting the feel, then you can slowly ramp mm-hmm. down the part time to something more realistic um another example of something that i think like the part-time doesn't make any sense i mean i andreas you do a fair bit of class i know jason you've taught enough people uh so doing a drill i call it that you'd have to i want to get it wrong like pat your head and rub your stomach so like bar hop for instance i'm going to have you shoot a couple targets and step and set up correctly and shoot a few more targets it sounds very easy but for the first couple times people will shoot one target and they'll step They'll step, forget to shoot targets. They'll shoot two targets, then forget. And then, oh yeah, I got to step over this you know, stick. So for the first couple of times, just like understanding the motion, understanding what's going on is really good also. So you don't get so overwhelmed with events, so to speak, but just remember what we're asking you to do. Even if you're a seasoned competitor, just understand what's going on before you uh, 
start going crazy. So if I could comment, yes, if I could comment on that. So had been out a couple years ago. Uh, this might have been about a. It wasn't last year. But it was we might have done it last year, but I know the first time I seen it was two years ago. So I was a master, and it was the a drill where you start on one side and you shoot some targets, and you're going to go left or right, and you, you're going to shoot some targets. Then you're going to get up to basically which is a, a window or a small like port, and you're going to have to shoot some targets, shoot some more targets, and shoot some more targets, and you're going to have hitting to kind of spot. Hitting, hitting the spot, hitting the spot, yeah. I'm going to tell you something, members. Yeah, and I'm yeah. going to tell you something. That drill, to this day, makes me, I, I don't want to drop the F-bomb, but it freaking infuriates me because I set a part-time in my head of what I need to be doing it at. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it's something that I don't even, I haven't even done, and I don't do very often. I probably should start practicing it, but I, um, I don't practice it enough to have the, the process down. So I start just what you just said, Joel. I will shoot a target, then move, or shoot one shot, then move, and then shoot the other shot, and then shoot the other target. <laughs> Excuse me, I've been fighting Bless that you. sneeze. Oh, um, so, I mean, that's a very good point on those. But me, especially now, being, you know, oh, I'm such a good shooter, you know, I want to get out there, and, and when, it's hard for me to get out there and, and be realistic on things and not want to rail stuff. Uh-huh. Because... I've been doing this for a while, and uh, you know, even when I was, ma- I'm a master class shooter. I should do it. You have to basically understand what it is and what you need to do, and again, put a process in place. And it, it's going to change, but uh, that's why I'm with you on the part times. When you're kind of first learning something, I, I like what Andreas said too, because uh, I, I, okay, when you're first learning something, I, I think getting the technique down is better. I'm not sure you want to do it as slow as you possibly can. Yeah, like you don't learn anything then either. I, I've, I've heard both camps on that. I'm not saying that's bad. I wouldn't devote three months to doing that no. for anything. But I do like what Andreas was saying. So if you, if you want to get a, um, a 1.2 drawdown and you put it at 1.4, 1.3, there ain't nothing better then when you draw that gun, get the correct sight picture, and you you know, and if you're just going for sight picture, uh, or even you snap the hammer or whatever, and and then you're waiting a tenth of a second, and you did it mm-hmm. correctly. There's not a better feeling when you yeah, beat a you're like what? Yeah. What now? Did my timer break? And then yeah. later it's like beep, like, like oh, let's yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so th- I like that too, and that's very positive. Um, but just uh, I I like both of those. I really do. So I just say be careful, understand what you need to do, and. Um, just realize you're gonna have to suffer through it. Like I don't want to tell people that sometimes because have y'all ever gotten asked a question where you're like, man, I don't know how to answer that question. It's such a basic question that sometimes, like, if a kid asks you, well, why is the sky blue? And you're like, oh my gosh, like, like where do I start? Where do I yeah. start with that? <laughs> you know, there's so much to it. Well, you know, I mean, just try to answer that. I mean, because water molecules are in the, I don't know, you know, so. There's a lot to it, and you're going to have to understand that you, when you're starting out, you have understanding at a certain level. The more you fight and suffer and battle through and grind through stuff, you're going to learn. And experience is the best teacher. And then you're going to, six months from then, you're going to understand those same things at a different level. Um, and then a year later, and then when you win your first match, because you, you're going to keep going and you're going to do all that stuff. So, yeah, just stay positive. Let's switch to why you do need to use a part-time. Because I think part-times are extremely powerful for dry fire. They teach you a lot. When used appropriately, of course. 
Um, well, Jason, I already kind of made you talk about earlier how to pick a part time of what to use. I uh, like what you're saying. If it's a if it's a a book that already has the time, you know the time. If it's a variable setup, like what you said, do it correctly. You kind of judge was that quickly or not. And then I I go through it. And I'm like, well, I had a lot of extra time and I missed up the draw. Do it again. Yep, that felt pretty solid. Maybe not the best, not the worst. I'll just start there. And you pick a time. Might be right, might be wrong. And as you do more reps, you'll figure it out if you're chasing to barely finish it or if you're got the gun holstered and waiting for the beep to go off. Yeah. That, everybody agrees that's fair. Yeah. yeah. If I could, I think there's three yeah. reasons. So the first is um, to there's a benchmark been set. You want to see where you stack up. Mm-hmm. That's a good reason to use one. Um, two is um, you're trying to keep yourself in check, uh, meaning you're trying like last year. I didn't use part time at all last year in 2020. I mean, that's never saying I did not set one, but 95 percent of the time I did anything. I did not set a part time. Uh-huh. And so, so kind of just to kind of reassess yourself. So you've already established the benchmark and then now later on down the road, you're trying to just see if you've got any better, I guess, reestablish another benchmark are to recheck where you're at. And then three, um, and this one might be a little bit later on. Um, it might be another way to put pressure back on yourself because you have to go, all right, now this is a sporty one. So if the book says a GM is two seconds, I'm going to put this at 1.8. And uh-huh. I've still got to focus on executing this draw correctly, not tensing up, getting the proper sight picture, and then doing a proper trigger pull and not sacrificing fundamentals to beat that part-time. And there's nothing better than when you do that. So yeah, it's, it's very good for putting pressure on yourself that you yes. set a, you have your comfortable part-time, and then you, set it a little bit lower and say, I want to, I need to make this four times in a row, for instance. Like once you get your second, your third run, you're like, yeah, the, you can feel a little bit of that, of that pressure to make it happen on the, uh, on the fourth run, whatever yeah. you've laid out for yourself in advance. Yeah. I, and I'm sorry, I, I hit on one twice, but it was two, it was three points and I used one of them twice. The other one was, is to realize where you're at. Once you start doing this, you'll realize, well, my draw is about a 1.2 second to a 15-yard target, open target, right? Oh, my reloads are 1.2. Um, it, my transition at a yard spread, you know, is, is 0.2. So the part-times will help you also kind of learn that those, uh, those where you're at. You know what I'm saying? Like, guys, we can go out to a stage and say, um, yeah, I can, you know, I can do this in roughly this time and you know what I mean? And that's because we've set part-times and we've met those part-times so we can – that's what I used to do with classifiers. I never really set them up so much as I would say, okay, here's a classifier. It's this, 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 this. Okay, so my draw is 1.2 on that target realistically to get an A. My split's going to be a 0.2. My transition's going to be a 0.25. My split's going to be a 0.2. My transition's a 2.5. Split's 2. My reload's 1.2. And I did that, and I go, that's how much – if I do all that stuff right there, that's how much time that equals on the clock. And I can do a 1.2 draw. I can do a 0.25 uh, or a 0.2 split. I can do a 0.25 transition because I've tried all that. I've, I've been on the clock and I put set those part times. So then when you're going and you, and you add those those 12 shots up for the El Prez, let's say, you're like, oh, that equals five seconds. Well, hold on a second. Man, that's awful fast. Have I ever yeah. done one in five seconds? But I can do a 1.2 draw and a 1.2 reload. That's 2.4 seconds right there. So... 
I, I have 2.6 seconds left to get um, 10 shots. 10 divided by 2.6 seconds, that's 0.26 seconds. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If, if my math is right. So then you're like, okay, I can do that. All I got to do is just go out and trust the process. I can do it. Talking facts, man. Yes. I like it. Yeah. Um, I think it's worth also attacking part-times. Well, setting a part-time, like we guys saying, or is, is even a bit ambitious, where maybe the facts or the numbers don't quite figure out to what you think they should be. And then I put in my notes, like, busting through, like, the Kool-Aid man. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I like that. But, like, that's... You can also learn a lot like that, where I've done that, where you just go fast and figure it out. Uh, make the hits if you're at the range. You make the hits sound like that, regardless of how you feel. If it's in dry fire, you're just you're going to make the time. It is going to happen. And of course, there's going to be misses, missed mag changes, drag on, drag off. I mean, all that stuff's going to happen. But there's also a lot to be learned when you just force yourself to make a time and you just go for it. And then you figure out you could reload the gun faster than you thought you could. You could draw the gun faster than you thought you could. You could whip the gun around and smash targets faster than you thought you could. So you can also set new plateaus from doing that. On the on the times for that, I'll give an example from today that uh, there's a drill I had set up where I was fairly convinced. I think my part time was like a five five seconds, and as I was running it, I was feeling like I wasn't pushing very hard out of one of the positions. I'm like, man, if I really push hard out of here, I can probably knock two tenths off, and so I took the five, I bumped it down to 4.8. I'm like, okay, if I can feel a really strong pu- push off out of that position, I know I'm going to go click on the last target and then I'm going to hear the buzzer. And it was right about dead on. That was, that, was, that was pretty exciting. So I think as you're doing your, your assessment of your dry fire to think like, where can I pick up some time? So it was moving faster or maybe not confirming some of the targets as much or something like that and just, well... I should be able to get it down and then uh, knock a little, knock an appropriate amount of time off your part-time and see if you just don't nail it when you feel those things happen. Whether it's driving the gun more aggressively in transitions or moving more aggressively, wh- whatever it is you decided that you're going to, uh, I think the, the Matt Pranka stealing back time. I like, yeah, I like, his I like the way he says that. Yes. Yeah. So like, yeah, I'm going to steal you kind of make a mental note of like, I can steal a 10th here and a 10th there. So that means I should be able to knock 0.2 off the part time. And then, yeah, if you do it, then as Jason was saying, the math just adds up. So it's got to happen. Uh, I like that. Andres, in your opening, one of your things you kind of talked about, which was kind of one of the secret sauce things for me personally that I want to talk about is um, regardless of part time or not, I've learned a lot by if I'm doing a drill, I basically just let a bunch of it run on autopilot but i become very 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 intent on one specific thing that i'm concerned about for instance i might do like what you're saying miss el prez variable target transition whatever don't really care how the draw goes don't really care how whatever but all i'm worried about is just where my focus is my eye yeah like what's blurry what's in focus like oh my front sight keeps coming in focus i don't want it to don't even care where the site stopped, honestly. Who knows where the site stopped? But I'm really paying very, very close attention, being very, very critical to one thing. Or maybe it's grip tension. I'm 
I don't even know. I don't even know where the gun stopped. Don't really care where the gun stopped. All I know is that I'm not gripping hard enough with my support hand or, you know, something like that. The next time it's where my sights stop. I don't even know if I'm hanging on to the gun hard enough. It might fall on the ground if I pulled the trigger. Yeah. But where are the sights <laughs> starting and stopping at? Am I picking a precise spot? Like being really, really critical to very, very like finite things and letting the rest of it just do what it does, I think is extremely powerful for my own shooting anyway. Yes. Uh, dry training and live training. Yeah, I, I tell people that uh, you're going to shoot the same drills for the entirety of your shooting career, but kind of the bug in that statement is like who, who you are is going to change quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, I'll, and just how, so what you're aiming to get out of the drill is going to change considerably. And that also that when you see somebody shooting doubles or you see somebody shooting a fairly simple drill like that, like doubles or practical accuracy or um, Blake drill, you you have no idea what's going on in their head. Like they could be focused on a zillion different things. Mm-hmm. And the, the same, what looks like the same drill is really a thousand different things depending on what you're, what you're uh, trying to be aware of as you're shooting it. And there's also a difference, I think, between being trying to be aware of what's happening as you're doing the drill, which is when you're running on autopilot and just trying to see what you're doing, and then also when you're trying to take conscious control of something. So it's, it's one thing to like, shoot a, break, a Blake drill and just ask yourself, well, what am I looking at? Where's my visual focus? It's another to shoot a Blake drill and to consciously be target focused. That you're just that you're consciously driving your eyes to the to the targets and looking at a specific spot. Bro, that was really deep. I like that. Yeah, and some people I think use the word un- unconscious competence. I know there's a lot of different ways to say it, but yes, I agree. Um, switching your where your attention's at and uh, sometimes just let it happen is, I think, also quite powerful. Yes, cool. guys. Jason, you look like you're about to say something. No, I'm. I'm. I agree with it. I mean, yeah. Go ahead. No, we. That's it's. It's. You can call it whatever you want, but that, that's all. That's pretty much it. I mean, you know, you you can only focus on one thing really, um, at, at a time. Um, you can switch back and forth really quickly, but you really can't do or focus on two things at once. And in my, in my mind, all that is is decide what the process is. The process for this this run is I'm when the dot is where or the site is where it needs to be. I'm going to pull the trigger. Um, that's kind of yeah, and, and I'm not worried about anything else. I'm not worried about what may happen. Uh, I'm not what you know worried about who's watching. I'm worried about that dot or site being where it needs to be. And move, Jason. Move I'm gonna put you on the spot. Do you ever have dry or live practice where you don't put your conscious thought anywhere and you just kind of like let it happen and try to just observe kind of what happens without really focusing? Do you do that at all? I, I mean, I don't do that on purpose. Um, if I understand your question correctly, uh, if that happens to me, that's when I don't do something correctly. Um, now there, now, now let me say this. There may be some instances where I do that, but it's actually on autopilot and it's maybe a little bit more subconscious because I've developed that skill. Mm-hmm. Um, and but, I get it's all word games too. Like, yeah, yeah, is, yeah. I'm not just going out there and being like, whatever happens, happens. And then all of a sudden my body starts moving and I'm in no control and I'm literally just watching. <laughs> I mean, I have to, I have to, I have to initiate, <laughs> be the boy. I have to initiate 
something. I have to initiate an action. Um, so I, I, I'm not sure if that's exactly what you were getting at. No, no, no. Oh, okay. I was just curious. Yes. Yeah. And it's all word games. In, like, oh. in my mind, you have to focus on one thing, a process. Um, I keep saying that word. That's my new hot thing. I like it. But because I think that's what it is. It's not. It's not go out there and just try hard. Right. My process is to I'm going to once I've got the stage visualized and it's programmed, I'm going to focus on the spot on the target. Everything else seems to work really well for me. Now, there's going to be times where you don't get a good grip, going to be times where you overshoot a position. There's going to be times when you um, whatever miss a reload again. I get that. But I mean, you have to have that process of kind of I'm going to do this consciously. And sometimes it is, hey, really focus on the trigger pull right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. how many times have you been shooting something? You're like, man, this trigger, like while it's happening, you're like, this trigger pull is perfect right now. Like this is the <laughs> perfect trigger pull. It's not too tense, you know, and I'm just p- perfectly pulling that trigger straight. But you almost kind of process all that in like nanoseconds, right? Right. You don't really want to probably be a- consciously thinking those thoughts either when you're shooting a stage. But anyways, sorry, I'll quit talking. No, no, you're good. I appreciate it. Uh, well, I like that I act like you explain in detail because if I say, oh, do you slap the trigger? You'll be like, well, yeah, but I like, no, I don't. Yeah, I do. It's like, well, no, that's prep and press to me. Oh, well, that's that's not that's something different. So like just using a term or a buzz, like it doesn't mean anything. So just just appreciate knowing how you guys tick um, on that note, guys. I think this was a bang up podcast. <laughs> uh, both. If you like the way both these guys were talking, they will be at the summit. Jason has a magic new drill that he's going to be uh, dropping science with there. So that'll be excellent. So, uh, listeners, if you have any questions, both these guys are on training group as well. So please leave them below in the, in the thread and uh, we'll make sure to chime in and answer your question. And I appreciate you guys coming on, of course. You bet. Boom. As always. Thank you for listening to Training Group Live. Stay up to date at practicalshootingtraininggroup.com or pstg.us for short. If you have a question or a comment, head to the Training Group Live section of the forum. Remember, the best questions turn into show topics. If you aren't a member of PSTG, we hope today is the day we earn your subscription. And with that, train frequently, train hard, but most of all, train smart.